Hi, hello, and welcome to Episode 6 of Beyond Strategy, an ACG National Capital Region podcast focused on the leaders that drive innovation, enhance understanding, and achieve market-clearing outcomes in the National Capital Region. I am Andy McEnroe of Raymond James's Defense and Government Investment Banking Team. And I am Jen Wappas of the Infinity Group at RBC Wealth Management. Today, we are excited to sit down with Peggy Steyer and Jack Kerrigan of Razor's Edge. Razor's Edge invests at the intersection of national security and commercial and Enterprise. The firm seeks to find, fund, and foster technology companies that are solving significant challenges for mission-critical customers. Sectors of investment interest include cybersecurity, data science, data infrastructure, space, C4ISR solutions, and sensor technologies, to name a few. Peggy is a co-founder and managing partner at Razor's Edge Ventures. Before founding Razor's Edge with her partners, she was co-founder, CEO, and chairman of the board of Blackbird Technologies, which ultimately sold to Raytheon. Peggy also co-founded and served as the CEO of Ravenwing, a mobile communications company that was acquired by Boeing. Peggy brings a unique perspective to her investing role as she's been a successful operator her entire career. Jack is also a co-founder and managing partner at Razor's Edge. Before founding the firm with Peggy and their other partners, Jack was the chief operating officer and general counsel at Blackbird Technologies. He was also a co-founder of Ravenwing and successfully helped both businesses transact with Blackbird being sold to Raytheon and Ravenwing to Boeing. Peggy and Jack have been active on the investment front for nearly two decades in numerous angel, venture, and growth equity endeavors, and have yielded over $1 billion in shareholder returns over the last five years. Peggy, Jack, and the rest of their partners and teammates at Razor's Edge just completed a $340 million fundraise. This was Razor's third fund following the successful $158 million fund that it closed four years ago and its inaugural $55 million investment fund. And now let's dive in further to the world of growth and venture equity investing in the national security and government contracting arena. Here's our discussion with Peggy Steyer and Jack Kerrigan of Razor's Edge. Excited to be joined today on Beyond Strategy by Peggy Steyer and Jack Kerrigan of Razor's Edge. Thank you both for being here. Our pleasure. I'd like to start at the beginning for each of you. Peggy, you've described yourself in some of our off-recording conversations as a lifetime entrepreneur or a builder of businesses. Will you take our audience back to the beginning? What was your first business and why did you start it? You'll laugh. It was actually in middle school. I was a computer programmer and I uh, did fortune telling machines all my friends whether Johnny or Joey liked them better it was really exciting <laughs> interesting so how did the experiences <laughs> on business Andy, one I never knew that otherwise they would yeah, I, I'm, I'm. Okay, I'm, middle school. That's all you talk about in middle school. <laughs> I, I'm taken aback. I would have thought it was something um, very forward leaning, which I guess fortune telling is forward okay, leaning. It is high school Scorpion software. We were into gaming back then. Okay. So from those from those origins, fortune telling and Scorpion software, how did that experience relate to the, the businesses you subsequently built and ultimately building Blackbird Technologies? So I lived in Southern California, worked for this little company that was acquired by uh, British Petroleum, who was then the biggest company in the world. It was really interesting working for a company like that. They would, um, they bought this company because they thought it was the next new thing, hired a bunch of people from all over the world, 
and um, we learned whether it was better to hire sales guys and teach them tech or hire tech guys to teach them sales, all kinds of fun things like that. But then they just changed their mind and said, well, you know, this is a blip on our balance sheet and that was fun, but let's do something else and fired 150 people in a day. Ooh. Paid me and another guy to close it out for a year. And it was really hard to see, you know, just the disruption and, and I thought, you know, you, this has got to be a better way to run companies than this. And so ever since then, I, I went out on my own and became unemployable for anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, and didn't work for anybody else until 30 years later when Raytheon bought our company. We'll come back to that in just a moment. Jack, I do want to bring in your career as well. You go from being a corporate attorney to a COO and general counsel of a successful defense technology firm in Blackbird Technologies to now a managing partner at a venture slash equity growth capital firm. What are those transferable skills that you've brought from different parts of your career and how does it weave together to work for Razor's Edge? Well, I like the succession. The last thing sounds more interesting. I forgot I started as a corporate attorney. Uh, Peggy saved me from a life of boredom. Um, but I think if I look at like a common principle, I think I've always been very uh, curious and creative. And so I'm always trying to study and coming up with new ideas, how to be more effective. Uh, I think that's helped me throughout my career. Um, keep in mind, I was trained by the best with Peggy. Uh, you know, I was uh, kind of a young lawyer. Uh, I never put my diploma up when I was at Blackbird because I didn't want everybody to know how young I was. Uh, and I learned a lot about leadership uh, just by building a company with Peggy and, and really trying to make people around you better. I think that's been sort of our common link of where we've been successful. So we've jumped into your backgrounds and what led you here today. But bef before we go any further, I'd like to take our audience to, to learn a little bit more about you and what makes each of you tick. Normally we ask our podcast guests to learn more about, um, to describe their core values and goals. But since you both are here, Peggy, what's one phrase that describes Jack as a leader in business? And then Jack, what's one phrase back about Peggy? Jack is a true entrepreneur and loyal until death. You know, <laughs> I think if he embraces you as family, he will make sure that he takes care of you and it's mutual. I think he forms a group of people around him that can uh, run through fires together. And it's really been a pleasure to work with him for 20 years now, Jack? 20 years, yeah. Damn, she set a pretty high bar. Um, yeah. I would say uh, Peggy is a badass CEO, uh, <laughs> best CEO uh, I've ever worked with. Um, really, I learned a lot about leadership working at Blackbird. I always thought, you know, I went to uh, law school. I know you guys are investment bankers, so you always think like, you know, the biggest gunner, the, the fastest mover is always the best leader, and really the best leader are the people that make everybody around them better. And I think Peggy kind of mastered that, and I think that's a lot of what like what we look for when we're investing. I guess it's sort of like young young Peggy's not that you're old, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, it, it's I think when you've been in that environment, you know what it looks like, and I I think it allows us to make a lot of um, sort of contrarian bets. I think a lot of uh, professional investors. Um, often sort of oscillate to people that really aren't true leaders, at least in the national security sector. And so, yeah, badass CEO. It's helped uh, uh, build the foundation of what we're doing today. Am I allowed to say that? Uh, yeah, I love that phrase. But I do want to pull that thread a little bit. I mean, so what are those leadership qualities that make a badass CEO in the mold of a Peggy Steyer? You know, I mean, I, I think the, the cliche term is servant leadership, right? But it really is about like when... Uh, you know, when Peggy was CEO and I was uh, general counsel, so like much, much further down the org chart, like if I had like two hours of people coming to my office, they'd get like the stink eye, you know what I mean? And I just didn't have the patience to, 
to deal with like the stuff you have to deal with. And, you know, we would be in the middle of some crazy new, you know, program or proposal. And I mean, Peggy managed her time well, but I, I think she really made everybody at Blackbird, like from the uh, tough kind of SOCOM guys that were forward deployed to like these 800 pound brain engineers all feel like they were very much part of like the core mission of the company. And I think that's really was the, the DNA of what made us successful. You know, it's funny how Jack has, he's always been a mentor and a coach and um, loved M&A. And so somehow he managed to combine all that in like uh, a daily, <laughs> hourly. It's good we got to run a fund. Approach. Yeah. Well, yeah. well let, let's yeah. talk about that. You come off the sales of Blackbird and Ravenwing and you say, we don't want to run, run businesses anymore. We want to invest our time, energy, and capital into growing the next generation of businesses. What was the thought process during that transition? It was a, actually a little reversed there because we were operators. Um, Blackbird was one of the best places I think we've ever worked. And some of the people that we worked with there, we'd work with anytime and have worked frequently with a lot of them again. But we knew we weren't going to be at Blackbird forever um, because of the type of business it was. And so we thought ahead and said, what would we want to do beyond serially running companies like this? And we thought we'd really like to mentor others and help them miss the potholes of growing a company because there's a lot of you know similarities across whatever company kind of company you're trying to build so we said why don't we start a fund meanwhile we already had blackbird so there was a lot of overlap sort of we just sold another company we had at the same time called ravenwing to boeing and we uh showed our management team how easy it was to run a company was supposed to be really a hard (laughs) (laughs) but it turned the other way around so we said why don't we as operators go out and help others and so we had the fund and we had Blackbird, and so very clearly in the process to sell Blackbird, we said, we're going to go ahead, we're going to transition with you for a year or so, and then we're going to go out and run this fund. And so the best laid plans, Jack had the contract all written up, and this is you know very clear terms, got to the end with Raytheon, and they said, by the way, we really like what you're doing at the fund. You've been running it for a couple of years now, maybe three years of overlap, and we really like what you're investing in, so we'd like to buy the fund also. Jack and I kind of looked at each other and we said, well, remember that part where we said up front that we're going to help you transition and then we're going to go off and run the fund? And they said, yeah, yeah, we really like that. But how much do you want for the fund? Yeah. What number did you put down? The the deal died for one weekend. Uh, (laughs) Keep in mind, I was negotiating as the only non-founder, longest weekend of my life. Right. So (laughs) I was pretty sure Peggy and I were still going to be tight afterwards. I love Steve and Richard, but you know, I would, it wouldn't hold it against them. But um, yeah, that was, it was sort of all in, um, in parallel. And I think, uh, I think a lot of people thought it was sort of a unique pivot, but to us, it seemed like a natural extension of what we were doing. I think we all had been working together for about 15 or 20 years. Uh, we really, you know, made great friendships over those years as partners, but then, you know, with a lot of the, the folks we were working with, and I just think, you know, we felt like we had a lot more to do, um, but building companies takes a long time. And I think our, our sense was if we raised a fund, we'd be able to do in five years what used to take us 20 years. And, and I think we've you know, begun to prove that out with, with razors. We kind of what we did at Blackbird was talk to customers, figured out what their hard problems were, looked out and about in the commercial world. If they had already existed, then we would go help them find and incorporate that. And if it didn't exist, we'd create it. So the fund is the exact same thing. We like to invest in technologies that the, the customers need, like space, making that instead of a $2 billion satellite, you know, $2 million satellite, so you can do a lot more with that for what your customers need. And um, the ones that aren't necessarily first in line to get those services can have, you know, the information they need in a timely manner. So cyber, AI, all the kinds of of technologies that are really 
coming into their own right now, getting those into the hands of customers that can use them. And, and like government's our first customer, but then broader set of customers after that. Well, it's, it's like you're reading my notes because this podcast is called... We, we maybe peeked at it before the right here. <laughs> The podcast is called Beyond Strategy, so yeah. I do want to pull that back a little bit. What are the central tenets to Razor's Edge's investment strategy, and how has it evolved since it was part of Blackbird to now as a standalone entity? You know, I, I think this is probably not going to be earth-shattering. I wouldn't say we're, we're master strategists. I think when we do really well, it's because we really stick to the basics. You know, I, I think so. It's always about backing, you know, the best people with the most impactful mission. And, you know, if you get the right management team, the right founder, and you're doing super cool work for national security, business takes care of itself. So, I mean, I, I think when, we, when we've when we sort of deviated from the basics is sort of when we've, you know, gotten in some trouble. I, I think uh, we're famous as a fund, and you guys have seen this in, in your time with us. I think we're one of the only groups of investors that send Rocky Four YouTube clips to our uh, CEOs, right? To just reinforce that, you know, stick with the basics, you know, people and customers. And, you know, when that's your obsession, you do well. How do you allocate amongst your venture and growth equity strategies? What's the thought process when you go into a fund and as you see your investments progress? You know, it's funny. So this is our third fund. So it's a lot easier now. We've been doing it for 10 years. And um, in the beginning, we we thought very much like operators and we still do that part, but we also said, what is venture? Like, what are we supposed to be doing when we're trying to help all these companies? And so we kind of hung out with some Silicon Valley guys and we hung out with different types of funds and, and we learned along the way, but what we learned is figure out what you do and, and stick to that and do that well. And so what we do well is mentor um, technology companies in the space that we know and the customers we love. And so, as we, as for our third fund, it seems um, we sort of help found companies. We find, we talk to customers and find out what their real problems are. Again, just like we did at Blackbird, go out and find a small company that has the right sort of approach to life and um, and and taking care of their customers and sort of camaraderie across the company. And we make an investment in that or, or acquire it. We get some uh, organic growth around that. Maybe a couple more tuck-ins. And um, they just thrive. I think creating a culture that you know resonates across the company. If the cultures don't match, then you know you're you're dead in the water. So those kinds of things across a number of different types of companies, it, you'll laugh because a lot of our companies, and it started with Blackbird. We'll have you know Black Links and Black Horse and Black Sky. You know, and for one, it was kind of a joke beginning when we started doing it, but now it's really hard to name companies. So kind of having that sort of branding works for us and we can remember their names. She thought it was a joke. <laughs> I thought it was whiz bang cool. So we have, we have, you know, like 10 more, uh, you know, black names in store and then we're switching to birds after that. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I do want to come. Hawk. Space Hawk is in the future. <laughs> we don't know what it does or exactly what the strategy is, but there will be a Space Hawk. You watch, there'll be one tomorrow yeah. from somebody yeah. else. Yeah, there it goes, the URL. Be on the lookout. Yeah. Hopefully you get the royalty from this podcast <laughs> for that. Well, I, I do want to come back to how you combine businesses in a little bit, but maybe taking a step back because you brought it up, Peggy, and would welcome both of your thoughts on this. You, you mentioned solving problems for your customers. When you think about the technologies and solutions in the national security community, how do you find the winners that you're going to put your capital and time and energy and effort behind? Like I said, third fund, a lot easier. A lot of the entrepreneurs we invested in early on have sort of come into their own. So sometimes um, somebody 
was a CTO at a previous company and it's really grown into being a CEO at another company or will combine cross-match across different companies for teams and things like that. And um, so they'll sort of, the whole network, they'll refer their friends once they know that, you know, we've taken care of them on, on one adventure. You know, it, it's success breeds success. But yeah. so the platforms are probably only 70% of what we do. We also like to take emerging technologies and uh, 30% of our thesis is to do basically true venture. So you get something like, for instance, one of our companies um, did a miniaturized mass spectrometer, which was the old CSI, what is this white powder that you know, used to be the, the lab coats and, you know, a, a, a big, large table size computer. And they managed to miniaturize it. But when we invested in them, it was parts on a table and, and believing they had something like the holy grail that so many companies have been looking for for so long to invest in. I think um, largely came down to a team that had worked together before and really had a passion around that concept. And so we took them from parts on a table to an IPO. So that's the other part of the thesis that we have. Yeah, that was that was a good one. And, and the um, in, in terms of our where we're most focused on, on terms of new ideas, I think one of the advantages that we have is most of the partners at Razors still, you know, still have clearances, uh, TSSCI clearances. Uh, we've been working with the same customers for, you know, in Peggy's case, you know, 20 years, mine pretty close, <laughs> pretty, pretty close, pretty close to that. Um, and so, you know, we, we've, we've delivered a lot of great capabilities for those customers. So we just have a lot of trust and you have a lot of dialogues, you know, with the customers. And so we'll come up with ideas that we'll go and sort of present to them based on a lot of mostly what we're hearing from them. And then, you know, we've been at this for 10 years. And so you have a lot of great founders that, you know, we took good care of, they took good care of us, and they come back to us with ideas. And, you know, one of the things I'm most proud of, and I know we'll get into what we're doing now, but, um, you know, our two new platforms, uh, Black Sea and Black Signal, you know, Black Sea was largely put together um, by some introductions made uh, around a maritime thesis we had. And then it's really fun for us. It's sort of like, you know, I don't know, parents watching their kids grow up, you know, seeing the people that we've worked with coming back to us and, and being the source of either giving us ideas or refining, um, you know, ideas that we've given to them. So, Peggy, you've noticed noted that Razor's Edge has an active role with its portfolio companies, helping them achieve organic and inorganic growth. How do you guys do that? So for better or for worse, we're still operators at heart. So <laughs> so the goal, you know, in helping a company grow is not to get in their way, but to help them. Sometimes it's tough love, you know, like, yeah, you know, that sales guy, you know, he's a nice guy, but not necessarily hitting his numbers and he might not be the right guy for this kind of this kind of company. But so but on the other hand, helping them, introducing them to customers, you know, helping them hire the right people, helping them think through a thesis they have, you know, just being a sounding board. So actively helping them um, grow companies because a lot of companies go through the same sort of struggles again missing the potholes in life um, and so if you can help them there's always more potholes so you know. <laughs> well, let's put that in context of your recent exit some of my favorites and Jack's mentioned a few of the executives from those businesses the sale of Black Links to Jacobs the sale of Black Horse to Parsons can you walk our audience through how you built those businesses the lessons you learned along the way and then how they're being applied to the new uh, portfolio companies that you're currently building. You know, when um, you know, I mentioned getting back to the basics and sticking to the basics, I really had those two companies in mind. I, I think, you know, we started Black Horse in, I think, 2017. Um, you know, and the, the main focus there was, 
you know, as you move from a counter-terrorism environment to kind of great power competition, the type of cyber company you create had to be a lot more sophisticated. You had to have, you know, uh, computer network operations, but you had to have electronic warfare, signal processing. You know, we even had some, you know, quantum crypto stuff in there. I can't say that I completely <laughs> understood it, uh, but we thought that might be important. And, um, you know, so we had a good thesis. Uh, in the case of Black Horse, uh, we bought a company run by a guy named Tim Newberry, who is sort of like out of central casting for the kind of founder that we back. It was all about the mission, really, really high EQ, and combined him with, you know, one of the best, you know, CEOs, I think, in the market, Mike Cushion. And so when you get the idea right and the people right, it's a good example of, you know, we did a lot of, you know, pitch meetings and things like that and try to introduce them to customers, supported them in M&A. Um, but that was just an outstanding team. And so, you know, it, it's fun when we get to go from being more day-to-day to, you know, almost like, you know, coaches and to some extent cheerleaders when they're doing so well, you know, part of your job on the board is just not getting in the way and let them do their thing. And same with Black Links. I think it was a little bitty, we, we called him Toymaker to uh, NSA, actually. He was a professor of University of Maryland, came out of that and had a really cool company. He'd had it for 20 years, $5 million in revenue, still had a mortgage on his house. One of the smartest guys out there, just necessarily, he wasn't necessarily the best businessman, but wicked smart with customers and technology and things like that. So once we started... Uh, Wicked smart, like you're from Boston. Wicked smart. He still is. But um, helping him grow that company sort of, you know, went through a couple iterations um, of should we go commercial? You know, it, it, those were early days for us. I think that was our first investment we ever made in a fund. And so um, turned out to be very successful when we um, it ended up steering into high-performance computing sort of as a um, – as a software solution to basically processing at the edge. And, uh, you know, um, went on and, and added a really strong team, Doug Wolf, who was a former CIO of the CIA, and first job out of government. So, again, another wicked smart guy, but <laughs> hadn't ever run a business before. So Jack particularly was hands-on with, with them, and then one of our other partners was really good at introducing the, the capabilities to customers that really could use it. So. Um, I think uh, spent a lot of time and it was really enjoyable. Great outcomes across the board. In both of those situations, though, you use strategic M&A to bolster capabilities and find new access points, in addition to finding great executives in, in Doug with Black Links and Mike with Black Horse. Can you tell our audience how you identified the capabilities, how you convinced like-minded business owners to come together for that common goal? Yeah, I mean, I'd say when whenever we do these platforms, I think if you go back to our original investment memo and look at ultimately what we built, we were about 50% right, right? So they're sort of having, you know, maybe for my investors, 70% right. But I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, you know, I mean, basically you have the core concept, but then you let demand signals and what's going on in the market kind of mold what you're doing. And so, you know, like in the case of, um, you know, Black Horse in tuck-in acquisitions, you know, if I were a gambling man at the start of that, I thought it would have been more CNO heavy. It turned out to be more, electronic warfare heavy because we came across, uh, you know, a group of founders at Amp Plus, um, a couple ex-Pit Systems uh, folks, an ex-Blackbird guy, so a friendly M&A relationship, and they just had exactly the right culture for what we were doing. And so, you know, I'd say we, we tweaked the strategy a little bit, and, and they were a big, you know, force multiplier. And I think if you look at, I think one of the things, you know, Peggy and I are probably most proud of, whether it's, you know, those two deals or just in general, is virtually every M&A deal we do is proprietary. So I'm sorry. I mean, we, we, we love bankers <laughs> on the sell side. Bankers do wonderful things for hardworking companies. So we're grateful for that. But um, on the, uh, 
you know, when they're, you know, small five, $10 million type companies, you really like to buy them. You have to get to know folks. You have to really understand the risks. You have to have a theory of how you can grow them. And I think we've had a pretty good track record of uh, meeting founders who refer other founders to us. And that's usually sort of the source of our M&A and that that shapes sort of the capabilities that we go after. Yeah, we're big believers. I know you guys are too, is um, getting good advisors along the way. And so, you know, whomever you're hanging out with, you, you don't save any money by getting a bad lawyer. Right. You know, so, so and uh, I know you guys have introduced us to a lot of young companies that, that they just needed time to grow and, you know, and, um, and help along the way. And so then it's good for everybody when they get a little more. What makes an ideal Razor's Edge portfolio company? We like technology, all kinds of technologies. You know, it's we really have a broad spectrum. But other invest, other um, venture firms will invest in service companies. We like solution companies. So, like I said, we're in space. We're in AI. We have a um, a couple, uh, you know, sort of data analytics. But anything that's really interesting and meaty, um, we have a team that does a lot of our own due diligence and, and jumps in, and then we can help guide them, you know, into the right customers sort of to help them along too. So that's our that's our sweet spot. So Jack, you referenced this earlier, the new plans for the new fund. Do you want to extrapolate or elaborate on <laughs> uh, what's coming forth here in, in Razors 3? Yes, yeah, so, so sorry. I went into the commercial a little early, but uh, <laughs> more, more, more of the same. Um, you know, I think that as Peggy was saying, we ran fund one sort of concurrently with, with Blackbird. You know, by the time we started fund two in 2017, I think we really had our I guess our strategy allocated where it's, you know, about uh, 25% of our capital is allocated to early stage venture deals where, you know, we think, you know, a company based on our purchase national security has some ability to go public. You know, good examples of that are like 908 devices, uh, Peggy mentioned, Hawkeye 360. And then about, you know, 70, uh, 75% of our capital is more towards the uh, platform companies, and that's you know Black Horse, uh, you know um, Black Links, and prior funds, and now we've just launched Black, uh, Black Signal, uh, Black Sea, and then we've made uh, two cyber investments uh, that are undisclosed right now, but are going to be sort of cyber platform companies. And I think you, you don't know, want to break that news right here on the <laughs> strategy. Probably not. I'd want to talk to the founders first, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, in, in all the cases, like. Peggy said, we have a real focus on technology differentiation, and, and I think that uh, at, in the early years of a fund, I don't think we've ever been in a better position as far as just having very differentiated capabilities aligned with where we think the, the missions are going. And then, you know, what makes our jobs really fun is we just have unbelievable founders in these companies, high EQ, you know, work, you know, every bit as hard after closing as before. You know, we try to, every investor tries to measure that. Um, but I think we've been very fortunate in the group that we're working with. And so, you know, we're just going to keep doing what we've done and have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. It's, you know, if you talk to a company that's uh, founder led, who's been around for, you know, 10 years and they have 20 million in revenue, they're doing great, right? They're paying all their bills and, and uh, they've got a kingdom going. But um, if they have aspirations to grow bigger, sometimes, you know, it's the largest company every day that they've ever run before. And sometimes yeah. you need help you know, with somebody who's done it before and you just, you just do things faster. I think that's the thing that you buy, you know, you learn more and you do things faster. So we'll talk to these guys and it helps now that we've done this enough. We've done 25 different companies and, and unlike Silicon Valley where they just try to, you know, sh you know, swing for the fences and, and lose 90% of the companies on purpose, you know, go big or go home. We have a track record of 
more than 23 of those 25 have been successes. Um, and so that's, that's our approach to life, is helping companies grow, find their own, and do it more quickly. So you're basically buying time and experience. So you mentioned 23 of the 25 uh, were successful or, or will be successful. What are the lessons learned from the two that weren't successful? So I'm going to take you through the 23. <laughs> okay. <laughs> of take course. You the two. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I mean, it, I'll, given that comment, I'll, I'll take the, uh, the unsuccessful at least. You know, as, as you look back, um, I used to always hate, you know, when people, you know, talked about how they learned from their mistakes because, you know, I'm very competitive and think, like, just don't make any mistakes, right? And, I mean, investing is a tough business, and, and I think – you know, usually when you make a mistake and you you sort of misfire, you sort of left the basics, right? And and um, it, it's kind of a life teacher too, right? Because usually when you make bad investments, it's sort of a character flaw. You let you let your ego get in the way. You believe that there's some path to easy money, and you just got lucky, and you're just going to plop an allocation, and then it's going to turn into a billion. And the reality is, I think there there is no easy money, or if there is, like I, we haven't found it. I haven't found it. Well, Peggy actually probably found it, but but <laughs> that's not you know our goal I mean? either, right? Yeah, you wanna... I mean, yeah. And so, like, I, I think that um, you know, when when we focus on you know what our core competency is, and, and you know, building technology companies, serving you know the most relevant parts of the national security mission. I think when we focus on that competency, we tend to do really well. And when, you know, when you start to, you know, get a little ahead of yourself and, you know, you let your ego drive decisions instead of business judgments, usually when you don't do so well. And when I say failure, the company I'm thinking of sold for more than $50 million. It's not, it's not a failure, but it didn't do what we thought it should do. Sure. So, um, but so, but if you tell an entrepreneur who's giving up his baby into the hands of somebody else, and maybe not totally into somebody else's hands, but somebody else gets to help make the decisions. Yep. You know, um, it's scary. Mm-hmm. And so having sort of uh, other people that they can talk to that have been through that before in similar situations really makes a big difference. And so before we just had to sort of drink a lot with them and now, now we just <laughs> <laughs> drink a lot and let them talk to other people. So we end all of our interviews with the same question, and it's probably the most important question that we ask. What is the most important thing that we should know about Peggy Steyer and Jack Kerrigan? Well, you know, I think there's a lot of ways to live your life and make money, and you just have to pick something that you're proud of, right? And you have to get your head up out of the day-to-day, and every once in a while just think about, am I doing something I care about? You know, So if you're going to do it for so much of your life, pick something you care about, even if you don't think it's going to make you the most money. I Live life. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I agree. I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, if you, if when you're going to work, you feel like you're changing the world, you feel like you're serving your country, you're not going to work. And, and you know, it, it's amazing. I always reflect on the, uh, you know, good fortune that we've had. And, you know, it's not like, you know, well, Spoto's a genius, but the rest of us aren't <laughs> geniuses, right? And, and Don't so, tell him. He's going to hear this. And, and, and so, <laughs> He's one of our partners. So it's, you know, it's sort of, a, you know, a function of, you know, if, if you're all really driven by a common purpose and, and you believe in what you do and you have a good team, it, you know, it's amazing the types of things, you know, you can accomplish. So many great life lessons, good business lessons in there as well, a focus on the basics or the fundamentals, a mission focus for national security priorities, and and using technology to solve our most critical problems. I want to thank you both for joining us today and uh, imparting the razor's edge story and as well as helping educate our audience on on the on a potential path forward we'll call it here in the national security government contracting investing community our pleasure thank you thanks
Well, Jen, that was a great conversation with Peggy Steyer and Jack Kerrigan of Razor's Edge. Certainly, they're doing some very interesting investing focused on solving problems for the national security community. Yeah, you can really tell that they care about the portfolio companies that they work with and putting the right team together. Well, we want to thank Jack and Peggy once again for joining us. And thank you, the listener, for tuning in for this edition of Beyond Strategy, an ACG National Capital Region podcast. A reminder, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. For Jen Wappas, I'm Andy McEnroe, thanking you again for tuning in.